Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Now entered the house of mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Good one hundred six point five FM Los Angeles. One hundred two point three FM Riverside. And one hundred five zero AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and of course, I'm Al Warren. Joining me as my co-host today is Mr. Mike Brown. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing not so bad, Alan. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while, but you, you know, big shot running around with this big new book and. Oh, and there's another one coming. Yeah, so you so you're going to be doing a second one, eh? For the same style, same sort of thing. That's what you did for the first time. Um, I'm doing a bunch of different stories, uh, more on some weird and wacky things. I'm going to cover some strange phenomena and interesting human beings and throughout history, all that kind of thing. So I'm going away a little from crime. Yeah, politics. <laughs> Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> well, you said weird phenomenon and all that sort of interesting people. Not oh, that weird. Shits. Yeah, not that weird. <laughs> not psycho weird. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, today we've got a uh, another. We got another bestseller here. We've got uh, someone that's uh, been doing it a lot longer than you. So, uh, yeah. Kathy Wright. Wow. Uh, thank you for being here. Oh well, thank you for inviting me. Wow. So you, you've been doing this for quite a while. I mean, I see since the 90s, you've been uh, really doing this. Uh, you must have seen a lot of changes in 
the uh, the world of publishing over these last 20 plus years. What do you think of uh, the way that publishing's going? Oh, wow. You're asking the wrong person. I have seen, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen changes. Um, you know, there was the pandemic, of course, when nobody toured, but that wasn't the fault of the publishing industry. But I think they've tightened their belts a lot. That's I'm going on tour for this book. This is number 21 in the Temperance Brennan series. And I haven't toured, I don't know, for two or three books, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a little more austere, I would say. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Do you find that that has uh, affected sales in any way? Because uh, I know, I mean, my book came out right in the middle of the pandemic, so I have, I have never been able to tour a book, so... Um, what do you see as far as a difference? I, you know what? I don't, <laughs> again, I'm the wrong person to ask. I don't pay attention very much to Good for the, the sales. And I certainly don't, they send me these massive statistical analyses, but um, I kind of glance at it and, you know, the pandemic people were stuck at home. So maybe they were buying more books and reading more books. On the other hand, you know, they couldn't get out, so maybe they're buying fewer books. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not a social scientist. I have Tammy yeah. Brennan's skepticism of social <laughs> Skeptic. Well, you know, when you're writing a series like this where you've got, like you said, 21 books where you're using the same uh, primary characters, um, how do you keep it fresh and how do you keep it going for so long? That's the real challenge. And uh, right from the beginning, one of the things that's a real challenge is, uh, just as an example, is how do you how do you introduce your core cast of characters? And you have to do that. But you're doing it for people, return readers who might have read 20 books and they know who Temperance Brennan is. They know who Andrew Ryan is, Skinny Slidell. But that same book may be the very first book that a reader is picking up. So you've got to introduce them. But how do you do that? time after time after time. And, you know, you can't just use narrative. That would be so boring. I have had her being cross-examined on the witness stand. I have had her sitting in faculty meetings where she's bored. So she starts writing her autobiography. I mean, I'm always trying to come up with new ways to get the, the central characters and central premise out without being repetitive to return readers. Yeah, that's got to be difficult. Do you do you actually sit down and pre-plan um, your books? Like, is this all sort of um, mapped out ahead of time and outlined, and then you're kind of filling the details, or is this just by playing it by ear? Each book or the whole series? <laughs> well, the whole series and each book, it kind of goes together because I'm what I'm saying is like when – did you know when you were writing the first one or maybe book two that this was going to be a 21-book series? Well, it crosses your mind, and then you say yeah. to yourself, get real. You're a debut author. You've never <laughs> written fiction. No one's ever heard of you. If you're lucky, maybe you'll actually sell it to a publishing house, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, it. no, I didn't envision it. I hoped it would be, be purchased and that people would buy it and read it and that it would become a series, but I did not envision a 21-book series with a 12-season television show attached to it. Yeah, it, it, it's just crazy how things go, you know, like that. Now, yeah, you're really addicted to the to the bones here. Um, <laughs> so you had a history with forensics, didn't you? I do. I have a history. I'm a forensic anthropologist myself, and I practiced that profession for more years than I'm going to admit to. 
So I had a storehouse of, um, you know, I switched from being just an academic teaching university, teaching physical anthropology to being both a, a caseworker, you know, a forensic scientist in, in big government labs primarily. Um, and somewhere along the way, I made, I made full professor at the university. So I thought, you know, I can do whatever I want. Um, I have a kind of unique niche that I'm in. So I thought I would try writing fiction. Um, and I just, no, no training in, in creative writing at all. I just thought I, I'm going to write the kind of book I like to read. So that's how I made the switch from academia and forensics to commercial writing commercial fiction. Weren't you a bit nervous by that? It, you know, because you said you had no formal training in that. Weren't you kind of worried about uh, writing something and everyone can see it? Well, I figured if it was bad, I would submit it to, uh, <laughs> in my naivete, I said 50. If I get 50 reject slips, you know, then I'll take that as a clue and go back to my day job. But, you know, I figured if, if it was really bad, it, nobody would see it because nobody would publish it. Yeah, I guess that's true enough. <laughs> I mean, that, um, but as I was writing, I had no idea if it was any good or not. How do you feel now that you're in book 21? How do you feel like it's come along? Do you think that you've noticed a big difference? Well, hopefully I've evolved. Um, Cold, Cold Bones, the new book, is uh, kind of a retrospective. It's uh, The storyline is that uh, Tempe is sent out on a number of body recoveries and, and an eyeball shows up on her back porch. And anyway, she eventually realizes that <laughs> someone is copying her earlier cases, someone is mimicking these these early deaths and early murders. So what I've done is I've drawn from earlier books in my series um, to create this storyline. So I thought that would be a lot of fun for my return readers, but also give kind of a peek into what it is I do to first time readers. Did that answer your question or did I just go way off? Well, we were talking politics earlier, so that was <laughs> political answer. No, I know uh, it's it's all good. I just so your main character is your main character. You well, yeah, a lot of it certainly professionally. She does exactly what I did. She commutes from the North Carolina to Quebec. She does all of the forensic work on both forensic anthropology work on both ends. Um, but she's I'm told we have the same sense of humor. And I try to put humor in the books, just as we did in the show, which is hard because every episode and every book deals with violent death. So how do you do that and still be sensitive if that's a real balancing act? Um, but she's also her own person. She's uh, younger in the TV show. She's uh, She's got quirks. I wanted the character not to be perfect. So, so, so obviously I couldn't draw on myself for that. <laughs> so, you know, she's a recovering alcoholic in the books, not so much on the TV show. So, yes, she's partly me, but she's also her own person. So how do you see your character? Like, do you, because um, I asked this, because a lot of the fiction writers that we have will say that they hear the voice or they see them visually in their mind and and things like that what's your experience with your main character there i hear her more than i see her and now it's hard not to see her as emily deschanel um but i do hear her voice and uh, i don't believe in that oh the character took over and went off in this direction and i you know 
you know, you're at the keyboard, you have the delete key, you're in control. But I, I do see things she would say, and I can anticipate things that, you know, jokes she might make and things she might do. But I'm the writer, I'm in charge, I create her. Yeah, yeah. You're you're not waking up in the middle of the night with a shovel in your hand or anything. You know, Tempe takes a lot more risks than I do. I do not go out digging up bodies, and much less so in later books. I mean, she did that in Deja Dead, which was the first book. But, um, you know, if she just stayed in the lab all day and looked at bones, that would not be very interesting, I don't think. So she does get involved both in the TV show and in the books, get involved a lot more in the actual um, detective end of it, the investigative end of it, than I do in real life. I've never gone. I've gone to crime scenes, of course. I've gone to death scenes with with uh, de- with cops, with detectives, but I don't go interviewing witnesses and that that sort of thing. Do you think it's come a long way? This whole uh, the forensics with with bodies and stuff has it has it grown so far that maybe if you went back into the lab, you wouldn't understand a lot of it. The science, the actual science. Yeah. Oh no, I keep up with my field, even though I'm not actively doing casework. That's just been a very recent development. And I still attend the American Academy of Forensic Sciences meetings, unless we're having a pandemic. Uh, I still read the journals. I still, every week I'm online with um, five other forensic anthropology women, and we, we discuss developments in the field and different cases that, that they're involved in. So I'm very much still in contact with the field. So I don't think I'd be surprised uh, if I, when I, and I will, I'm sure in the future, go into a forensic anthropology lab. So how many of the, your, uh, your books have been informed by actual cases that you've been involved in professionally? I, you know, I don't know the count. Um, the first one was based on a serial murder case that I worked on for sure. The second one was based, I mean, many of them, I'm not going to go book by book, don't panic. Okay. but um, they either come from that or something I've, I've seen at a, one of the professional meetings or read about in the journal, or they're what we used to call in the writer's room, ripped from the headlines and mm-hmm. uh, something I've seen maybe, or Twitter or the bone code, the one right before the current one, cold, cold bones. Um, I saw this article about a Chinese doctor who contrary to everything, everyone in the scientific community has agreed. Now that we have the technology, we have the whole ju- hu- yeah, human genome mapped and we have the technology to modify it. But everybody's agreed we're not going to create designer babies. Well, this Chinese scientist went ahead and did that. He changed the genomes of two unborn babies. So I read that little article and I thought, well, there's a great premise. What if someone uses this um, knowledge and technology for nefarious purposes? So it can start. My ideas come from some are directly from cases, although I change the names, the dates, the places, everything. Mm -hmm for both ethical and legal reasons. And some, you know, might, as I said, just be something I read or or heard somewhere. You must have to be very careful. Like when you say you put humor in it, it takes a certain timing, doesn't it? Yes, yes. And you have to be sensitive um, to that. It has to be in the proper setting and scene. And a lot of the humor is you know, directed at herself. She has a good sense of humor about herself or it derives from dialogue between her. One of my favorite characters is Skinny Slidell. And Skinny Mm -hmm. is this grumpy, grotchety old 
cop in Charlotte, North Carolina, and in the new book, Cold, Cold Bones, she's working with Skinny. So I really had a lot, Erskine, his name is Erskine Slidell, but he goes by Skinny, even though he's far from it. So I had a lot of fun writing the dialogue between Tempe and Skinny. So you can do it in, in that context, I think, without being offensive. But, you know, if you, it's, it's almost like real life. There's a lot of black humor in the autopsy room. It's a tension reliever, um, except in certain situations. For example, if it's a child autopsy, uh-uh, it's absolutely dead silent. So there's some situations in which you can use humor and some you just don't. I feel you, you must really um, you work at keeping the science correct then. Hey, like there's not it's not there's not any wild things going on in any of the books. No, it ha- in the books. I'm really fastidious about that. And I'm lucky because working in a full spectrum crime and medical medical legal lab, everybody's there. I can walk down the hall and talk to you know, the DNA guys, or I can walk over and pose questions to the hair and fiber people or the or the fire and bombs and arson guys. So I have people I can go to uh, or pick up the phone and call. So that's been a real help. Now, in the writer's room, we used to use the word plausible. It has to be plausible. And um, I read every script that we we filmed and I would give notes and mainly I would comment if there was something that, you, you know what, you just can't do this. No, we're not doing this. But yeah. So, but we took a few more liberties with television than I do in the books. Right. Right. Well, you could always go online and do your research. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> not through Google. <laughs> Wikipedia, but yeah, you can do that. You can Google article titles. Like if you're interested in how long does it take a body to decompose under, you know, in salt water or something, there is probably a scientific article out there that you can read. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you'll be flagged by the FBI maybe, but. <laughs> You know, I just did one of these questionnaires that the British journalists love to send you where they're all these. And one of the questions on this list was, if I were to inspect the history of your um, Internet searches, what would I find? (laughs) You know, I often wondered that if anyone confiscated my hard drive, I might have some splaining to do. Yeah, you'll be they'll be putting you away. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, do you ever put a subtext or do you is there a point underneath the entertainment of of, of the books? Yeah, I, I the the bottom line for me, the goal is to write a good story so that the reader will have a good time reading the story and trying to solve the puzzle and planting the clues, some of which are are correct and some of which are red herrings, which is fair as long as you tie them off and they make sense. So that's the main goal. But I also like to touch on topics such as, um, oh, I've done books on trafficking in humans, human trafficking. I did one. I did one on trafficking in endangered species. Um, I did one on pedophilia. So I do try to have a bit of a, a message in there as well. Yeah, yeah, I guess that would be a key to, to making it real. Um, so so with this book, what, how long did this take you to write, now being book 21? Well, by contract, I do a book a year, so it took me a year. <laughs> wow, so you, you, but you, so are you pretty regimented, like you could just 
sit down and do nine to five Monday to Friday and just write? Uh, yes, I do not do nine to five. I'm too old for that. My old <laughs> vertebra can't take that anymore. But yes, uh, because and I think, you know, if you have a, and this is one piece of advice, you know, the question you always get, what piece of advice would you get to beginning writers is to write, find that block of time, whatever it is, if it's two hours in the morning, what I did with Deja Dead, I had to get up at six o'clock and write for two hours before going onto campus to teach um, or on weekends or summer vacations or whatever. Find that block of time and, and write. And I'm very disciplined about doing that. I think because when I read, wrote the first book, I really had to squeeze it in. If I had two hours of free time, I had to sit down and produce. Now, the next day, I, as I said, you've got the delete key if, if what I produced was pure crap you can go back and modify it or delete it or whatever but if you get into the pattern of saying oh i'm not in the mood today or the muses are not with me or i have writer's block nah, -uh, nope i don't think that's uh, acceptable wow so what do you do if you if you're stuck i write through it i write i know what scene where i've come to in the um, chapter and i know what the scene is going to be and i write it or part of it I don't write a whole chapter in a in a day. I think if I get two good pages in a day, I'm happy. Right, right. Wow. Um, but so when things are going on around you, like for instance, in the last couple of years, all the crazy stuff and the and and the pandemic and anti maskers all this wild stuff going on, right. with that stress level outside of your door, does that sort of affect you in your writing? Once I get into the groove, once I'm writing, I'm just not aware of anything going on out there. And I have to admit that the pandemic for me was not all that painful because I was COVIDed in with two of my daughters and four of my grandkids at my beach house. So we were there for four months. We had our food delivered by DoorDash and we took long walks on the beach. And then I got a lot of writing done. I just blocked out the world, as it were. Wow. Oh, wow. Do you, do you think that it, it seeps in somehow, but gets a little darker? Oh, it does seep in. I mean, you can't completely block it out. You know, we just had two mass shootings in two weeks. <laughs> How do you block yeah. that out? Yeah. And we still have assault weapons on the street. But anyway, that's another topic. But <laughs> Yeah, boy, uh, I'll be getting hate mail for that. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Um, so... How do you know when this series is going to end, or do you? Don't yet. Um, I'm writing The Bone Hacker for next summer. Is <laughs> the last book on my, on my current contract. What's funny? The title is a funny thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, it has a that. double meaning. It has a double meaning because. Yeah, computers. and. That, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like I that. Know, yeah, and also the killers chopping off people's hands. So it has like a double level. Oh, wow. So I'll have to decide at the end of The Bone Hacker, well, sometime soon, as I'm yeah. finishing mm. it, whether I'm going to do another contract. So wow. We'll see. Yeah. What, what, what do you think that makes the decision? It sounds like you can just kind of, you could probably do 30 of these. I could. I'd like to. Yeah. I, I suppose that's a lot for one series, though. Yeah. People have done it. Like Jack Reacher. How, how many books of those are there? And, well, yeah, too many. And uh, Sue Grafton did 26, right? And yeah, mm -hmm. so yeah. there are series that have gone long time. 
Yeah. It's just, I think it's hard to keep it uh, fresh. And then how much can you put your characters through, right? Because they're, your character's going to be developing throughout each right. book. So how, right. you know, how, you know, what, what's, what are they going to do next? Right. And, and part of the definition of a thriller is that your character or someone close to him or her is in danger. And how many different ways can you find to do that? I've had her thrown off a cliff. I've had her, you know, buried alive. I've had her, you know, in a fire. I've had her. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's got to get sick in a pandemic next. I think she was sick in, when she was in Guatemala in Grave Secrets. Not a pandemic, but, you know, that's an interesting question for writers is what do you do with the pandemic? Do you mm-hmm. acknowledge it? Do you work it into your story or do you just completely ignore that it ever took place? I chose in this book to just kind of give lip service to it and someone's wearing a mask and that's the last you hear about it. But others Mm. choose will choose to to treat it differently. Yeah, I think it's a tough one because one, you don't know where it's going or what's going to happen down the road. And there's a lot of questions still. And, and, uh, and then there's a group of people that love it, like that will get picking up all the different um, movies and books that come out about right. viruses. And then you get the ones right. that hate it. So, right. <laughs> Well, and interestingly, The Bone Code, which was the book before this one, it, it involves a, a pandemic of sorts. And I wrote that before COVID reared its ugly head. Oh, so it's your fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. It's like, what was the one? Fatal Voyage is my book where she's dealing with a mass disaster, a commercial airline disaster. And Mm -hmm. a month after that came out, I was deployed to New York for 9-11. So that was like prescient as well, I guess. Wow. You're causing a lot of problems. I know. I know. That's why maybe I should just take a break. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Write a comedy. (laughs) write a comedy that might be fun yeah do do you think you ever go somewhere else like write a different type of book maybe like yeah maybe or screenplay my son is my son and i did um he's a lawyer he practiced for a total of two whole years hated it and proposed why don't we uh write a young adult series so we did that we did six books it's called the virals series and it's uh, temperance brennan's 14 year old great niece and her her friend solving mysteries at kind of a middle school high school level oh that's fun yeah it was really different i mean the structure of the young adult books is the same as my adult books it's equally as complicated i think they're even longer than the adult books but what differs was um is the their social concerns obviously they're 15 14 years old and the language the dialogue has to be much softer than a 50 year old crotchety homicide detective <laughs> oh, come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah go for it yeah do you, do you hope people learn something from the books as well well i do i mean there's the classic every murder mystery whether it's a forensically driven solution or it's you know Agatha Christie or Sherlock Holmes with their intuition. Um, you know, the, the moral is that the bad guy or girl gets caught and good wins out over evil and all is righted in the universe at the end. It's also true with the episodes, every episode of, of, uh, of our show. At the end, it was always resolved. The bad person, the villain, was always caught. You know, and real life's not like that. But maybe that's the appeal of of uh, murder mysteries. It always gets resolved. Yeah, 
Yeah. So doing a TV show as compared to a book, what do you, do you like writing that way or, or do you like it seeing it written that way? It's really different. Um, Writing a screenplay for one thing, it's collective. When you start out your episode and we had, I forget how many, seven permanent staff writers as they're called. And then every season three, I think episodes were for freelancers. So I would do one, but you start out in the writer's room and collectively you brainstorm ideas. We had, there would be this big terrifyingly empty whiteboard on the wall for our show divided into six, uh, acts and by the end of a week or two you have hammered out together collectively the outline of um your main story your a story and your b story and then if you've got a c story going then you as the writer have to pitch that to the uh showrunner and i'm not used to doing that when i write my books much to my editor's annoyance i write the whole book and send it in and you know (laughs) Um, and then after you've pitched it, you're, and they give you notes, and then you make changes, you're sent to outline, and then you do a very detailed outline, which I don't do, writing the books, and then you pitch that, and once that's approved, then you're set to script, and you write the script, and submit it, and you're done with it from that point on, and they change everything, which I'm not used to either. So. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I always wonder that, because, you know, when you watch some of these series, um, made from books, a lot of times it's different. And, and what I find is different is that, uh, what they do to the character sometimes. Yes. And that's true of, uh, Bones. The, the Temperance Brennan character is, I think of TV Tempe and book Tempe. And there are mm-hmm. differences. She's younger. Um, the setting is Washington, D.C., rather than the books, which are, um, mainly in the Carolinas and in Quebec in province in Canada. Um, yeah, she's also much more socially awkward in the show than she, the character Temperance Brennan is in my books. So there, yeah, there are some differences. Do they have poutine in the Quebec? Oh, oh dear. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Pope Catholic. Yes. <laughs> I do not eat the stuff, but yeah, poutine is still very popular. Well, yeah, we're both Canadians, so that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's certainly been uh wow, this is quite uh quite an interesting the whole thing, you know, everything. And uh and we appreciate you for coming on. Uh now your newest book is called Cold Cold Bones. And we've had the the great Kathy Reichs. Thank you. Oh well thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the House of Mystery Radio Show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.